Well, hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Kudzu Radio Hour. We're so glad you decided to tune in and uh, join us today. This is Kudzu Radio Hour number 129. This podcast was recorded on Saturday, November 21st, 2020. Just allow me to be one of the first to say, Happy Thanksgiving! That's right, Thanksgiving week. Hard to believe, huh? Well, it is. And I just want to say, on a personal note, Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. I want you to please, please do me a huge favor. Be responsible and avoid gatherings, even large family gatherings, because the COVID thing is worse than ever. And if you don't believe that, then just research it, okay? It's true. I have a niece that works at the CDC, okay? It's real. It's real, folks. Be careful. Uh, and just avoid, if you can avoid family gatherings this year, then we'll probably be able to have gatherings for the rest of our lives, which we will have lives, <laughs> which is good. Be a part of the solution to COVID, not a part of the problem. That is my personal Michael B. Smith, Michael Buffalo Smith uh, thing there, and in no way uh, reflects anybody else's opinions except mine. Okay, but uh, the Kudzu Radio Hour is brought to you, as always, by Springer Mountain Farms. Fresh chicken responsibly raised on family farms with no antibiotics, no hormones, no steroids, no animal byproducts ever. Talking about fresh, fresh, good-for-you protein right here. Get more information or order online at SpringerMountain.com. SpringerMTN.com. Springer Mountain Chicken. Not only is Springer Mountain Chicken healthier for you, but it also tastes very, 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 did I say very? Very good. The Kudzu Radio Hour is also brought to you by that little old band from L.A., called the box masters they have a smoking hot new platter out called light rays and it's getting rave reviews coast to coast and around the world because why because it's their best one yet after 10 years they've got so many great albums but this is the best one yet great songs like satellite guy breathe easy light rays and learn to be and all the other songs in my opinion is their best yet the album's available on CD, vinyl, and downloads. And uh, also, I uh, wanted to tell you that the band uh, had to, like everybody else, they had to postpone their tour this year. But they are planning to go out and play next summer, 21, 2021. And even uh, not only in the United States, but over in Europe. How about that? So everybody listening in Europe, get ready for the box masters. I believe it's going to happen. I really do. Read all about the album, the tour, and everything else at theboxmasters.com. Theboxmasters.com, and be sure to follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Now, if you're on Instagram, there's a couple of accounts. There's an old one and a new one. You want the uh, Boxmasters official uh, Instagram account to follow because J.D. Andrew keeps that up to date very, very well. It's all sorts of great photos every day. We love the Box Masters, and we also love our other sponsor, Fog Hat Sellers. 
Yes, you know, you've been listening to Foghat for 50 years. And before that, Subway Brown. I mean, come on. Great boogie rock blues band. Oh, my gosh. Well, now the drummer, Roger Earl, and his lovely wife, uh, Linda, have a winery. Or, well, they have Foghat Cellars. And they have wonderful, wonderful Foghat wine. And it really is good. And uh, we even sampled it last week on the program. How about that? Uh, very, very good. Uh, I love the Pinot. I love the Pinot, but the Chardonnay is good as well. But they're all good, okay? So the same band that you trusted to bring you the Blues and Boogie Full Tilt all these years is back with some really, really good wine. You can order it and have it brought right to your doorstep, folks. Foghatsellers.com. Foghatsellers.com. Like wine cellar. Foghatsellers. Or you, there's also a link off the band page at foghat.com. So we thank them uh, for always being in our corner as a sponsor as well. Have you seen the latest issue of Kudzu Magazine, number 40? Uh, it's available for free at kudzumag.com. K-U-D-Z-O-O-M-A-G.com. Uh, it's got uh, Mr. Dwayne Betts on the cover. And my interview with... Dwayne about the Almond Bats band, the whole second generation of the I mean, it's like, you know, it's the second generation Almond Brothers. You've got Greg's son, uh, Devin and Dickie's son, Dwayne, and Oakley's son, Barry and all the other guys are equally as talented. It's a killer band. And their second album, uh, Bless Your Heart is, uh, was named as one of the top 20 of the year in Kudzu Magazine. How about that? And you know, those people can be trusted. They really can. So check it out, kudzumag.com. There's all sorts of stuff in that issue. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Also, be sure to check out my new video channel. It's on YouTube. It's called The Ambassador of Southern Rock. And uh, it just plug in Ambassador of Southern Rock and it'll come up. The most recent interview was with Roger Earl of Foghat. We had a great conversation about his history, and we talked a little bit about the wine, too. And then right before that, I did Freddie Salem from the Outlaws talking about their wonderful new DVD release from Rockplast, uh, which I hold in my hand right now, live at Rockplast 1981, a killer show DVD and CD package. But we talked about that. We talked about Freddie's uh, guitar music history all kinds of stuff so that's at the uh ambassador of southern rock youtube channel well that's it that's enough shameless self-promotion for right now don't you think i think so what we're going to do is we're going to do a play a song i'm going to go back to the 70s which i tend to do quite often and we're going to play a young lady that uh, i always loved this girl rocked out from from the get-go her name is Susie quattro that's right baby and this is the first track from her first album. So, uh, yeah, yeah. It's called The Wild One, baby. On the Kudzu Radio Hour, it's Susie Quattro. Oh, my life, I wanted to be somebody, and here I am.
Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, that was Susie Quattro, the wild one. <laughs> See? All right. Billy was guessing, and he guessed awfully close, man. Yeah, the first track of off the first album for Susie Q, and that was, a, as man, that girl could rock, man. Still can't, that's a, still can't, that's actually. Great song, man. Yeah, yeah, she's a, she's a wild one, or was a wild one. I guess she still kind of is. Uh, but I'll talk about that a little bit later on when we do our recommendations. Um, we're going to do uh, a different version of the uh, ever-popular High Fidelity um, game today. A little bit different because Billy had suggested yesterday during said happy hour. And I thought, well, that's a good idea. Billy's going to ask all three of us a... Uh, a question same question all same question answer. for all three and then after we do that then i'm gonna ask all three of you the same question right. that, yeah that 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 adds a spirit of collaboration to the it whole does thing. it does it, it, yeah and really? um, collaboration is that what happens to your milk if it stays in the refrigerator too long it's exactly well not oh, in the refrigerator okay. if you leave so. it sitting on top of the all right billy you take it away and uh, do uh, anything except okay. me first we'll 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 start with Jim and then Patrick and then you and uh and and here's my question and I have an answer to uh the question uh is best first line of a song any genre and and the one I chose is uh Paul Simon's Fifty Ways to Leave Your Lover and the first line is uh the trouble's all inside your head she said to me one of the best first lines ever in modern music so That's good. Um, Jim, you're next. You you gave us a heads up on this yesterday, and I promptly forgot. Let me think for a second. Uh, all right. Um, I, all right. Apologies to anyone who finds this blasphemous. <laughs> you might be listening to the wrong show if you do. But anyway, you uh, are. I am an antichrist. I am an anarchist. Oh, that's a great first line, man. First line of Sex Pistols Anarchy in the UK. That's If that's not a mission statement, I don't know what is. And that, that was one of the songs when we did the Turn It Up, uh, the Turn It Up issue, uh, songs you just have to crank up. That was on yep. my, got to yep. turn it up, Liz. <clears throat> yep, yep. Okay, Pat. Oh, I'm torn. <laughs> yeah, I, lo I love his thing, because, yeah, Pat's great on this stuff, man. <laughs> Daddy played poker in the woods, they say, back in his younger days. Prohibition was the talk, and the rich folks walked to the woods where Daddy stayed. Where the devil don't stay, driving by truckers, Mike Cooley saw. Uh, yeah, cool. Uh, I gave up on them years and years ago, as we already know. But, yeah, no, it's a good first line. Yeah. What album? Uh, it's uh, from the Dirty South. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because I did know that, and that, and that was – that came out before I had given up on them. So. That's a good, good, good record. It is, yeah. Yeah, know. it is. Okay, Buff. Well, you know, I'm going to get a big old F on this one because you gave us a warning, and I knew it, I knew I was going to. Well, I was going to look up a song, a Bob Dylan song, of course, and I can't even okay. right now. I can't even my mind because my headache has come back, and that's that's a lame excuse. But I can't even think of of what the song is that 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 I just you know he's got so many great ones, so <laughs> so instead the only thing that's coming into my mind is Kiss. 
Okay. All right. Which which one? I'm the Lord of the Wasteland. A modern day man of steel. That's good. That's, I that's gather good. darkness to please me. Yeah. Okay. Written by written by Paul Stanley. Yeah, written by, and I've got the demo yeah. of Paul singing it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that it matters because the, it sounds the same either way. Johnny's in the basement mixing up the metal. That's when he said Dylan, that's what I thought yeah, immediately. That was yeah. as soon as she said that. I thought he's yeah, yeah he's gonna do Johnny's in the basement mixing. Oh uh, hell, I can't even yeah. think of my favorite Dylan song, I can't even think of the name of that long ass you know. Well most of his things were so long, the songs were so long and I think it threw me off because I had Dylan playing through the uh Amazon Echo this morning and I had all these other songs coming in. I was playing that album, Infidels, uh, which yeah. I liked a lot. Yeah. That was, came out when we were in college, and uh, yeah, and Joker Man and all that stuff. Anyway, that's fine. Uh, we, yeah. Go ahead. What's I was going to say, we're going to go on and move right on into the uh, recommendations. Yeah, because we, we, uh, we have kind of uh, limited time today, don't we? I know. Uh, recommendations, anybody? Billy, got one. Yeah, I tell you what, man, since I picked a Paul Simon song for the High Fidelity thing, I'm going to pick a Paul Simon album, Graceland. Of course. That, uh, I mean, uh, man, what a great, man, what, what a what a great incorporation of, of pop, good lyrics, good music. The, uh, World the music. traditional, the, the traditional African uh rhythm section and yeah uh yeah it was just yeah just a good record top to bottom fantastic and a Patrick. great single the the actual song graceland is really good Memphis, i got a, i got a two for so, so we're uh since we're talking about guitars i'm going to give you guys a two for one special there's a great book about <laughs> celebrity guitars called star guitars it's a it's a picture book it's guitar porn but uh, my actual media recommendation is uh, a limited docu-series on Netflix that just came out last week called Trial 4. It's about this guy named Sean Ellis, uh, who in 1993 at 3 o'clock in the morning had to stop at a Walgreens in Boston to buy diapers. I had the great misfortune to be there at approximately the same time that a Boston police detective named John Mulligan was working on off-duty security detail, sitting asleep in his car outside the Walgreens with his driver's side window cracked and was shot execution style five times in the face. So clearly an assassination. Right. This guy, this guy Sean Ellis, also just happened to be black. So guess what happened to him? Oh. He, got con he got convicted. <laughs> <laughs> It was is my get did I get it right? Well no trial. Well, I'm, I'm gonna give a little much I'm gonna give a little too much away, but uh he was he was charged based on the uh testimony of one alleged eyewitness. He was in a police lineup and she fingered him and not in a good way. Uh <laughs> the, the first trial the first trial ended in a mistrial. Right. Second trial second trial ended in a mistrial. This guy had never been in trouble before. But what comes out over the course of these two trials in which the juries hang is that there were a lot of Boston dirty cops. Boston, Boston. has a lot of dirty cops. 
Yeah. And this guy, this guy was a police detective, and out of this precinct house, a bunch of the detectives were like shaking down drug dealers for their drugs and their money, and trading drugs for six and doing all right. kinds of dirty stuff. Yeah, this why else would you be a cop? <laughs> this off, this off, this off-duty cop was known to live well above a policeman's salary, and it was an open secret that he was shaking people down. So somebody had it out for him, and this guy just happened to be at the wrong Walgreens at the wrong time. Wow. With the, two, with the two wrong complexion. With the wrong right. complexion. Two, 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 two mistrials, and then he gets convicted and sent away for life. A new lawyer comes in, uncovers new evidence, and he gets pretrial release. And you, you see that he's out before the first fourth trial. So you don't know if he's going to be convicted or not. And I'm just going to have to leave it there. But it's called Trial 4 on Netflix. Well, very, very good. I'm a, su- it, I'm, it, a su- I'm a sucker for true crime. How, how, many, many, episodes? Uh, how, many, episodes? how many episodes are there? Seven. What, Seven? Uh, cool. Question. What time, what, what time period is this happening in? Is this like current or? The, the, the crime occurred in 1993. He was not. Well, it's kind of over around 2015. God, jeez. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. He spent, wow. he spent, yeah, because he's, he's he not. Spent, gonna... he's, he spent 21, 22 years in prison. And re- yeah. Hell, man, even if he hadn't been in prison, he spent 20 damn years monkeying with the legal system and trial. Oh, yeah, and there's a whole bunch about the power structure in Boston, which is white male and, and largely Irish. Irish. And, there, yep. and there's this there's this yeah. African-American uh, pastor who's talking about the power structure. It's like we got all these Irish over here who are running things, and because a lot of uh, African-Americans in Boston are afro Caribbean, they're too busy fighting amongst themselves to fight the power structure. Right. In the in the middle of this, in episode six, there's an open race for district attorney, and that turns out to be kind of a tipping point. But I don't want to give any more away. It's great. Trial right. four. You know, there's only one one rule in Boston that I know of, one law, and that is be careful where you park your car. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's two. There's two actually. The second rule is if you want to make a left turn, get in the far right lane. Oh, yeah. Well, you're no, talking to the a guy better, who knows that very well right now. A, a, a better rule is don't freaking drive in Boston. Right. Don't, that, don't yeah. drive in Boston. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the worst, man. With, with worst. Uber, man, there's no reason to Take drive Take the public transit and leave your car at home. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. All right, I've discussed this before, but it's never been a recommendation. So I'm going to recommend it now, particularly because I'm going to be jonesing for some football because the Texas Longhorns game today has been called off due to or postponed due to Kansas COVID. Uh, although Farmageddon is still on Iowa State versus Kansas State. So go oh. Cyclones there. Uh, but go so it on. is the TV series Friday Night Lights. Yay. Um, it is just fantastic the movie is good the movie is quite good the book is great but the tv series is a whole nother animal it's a whole nother animal it's 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 completely different and it's not necessarily football centric um the football scenes are not entirely realistic uh but it's portrayal of small town life. That's what I was about to say, man. Small, it, it nailed Re- small town Texas life. Man. Re- got, mean- it nailed small town life, period. I grew up in a small town in Iowa, and it wasn't that different. 
Right. Uh, I mean, there were, you know, we didn't sit around and drink Lone Star and say Texas forever, but we no, sat around <laughs> out in the out in the country drinking Pabst Blue Ribbon and wondering how we could get out and, of, and out saying, of go, we go, clone, go clones. Go clones. So uh, it is uh, uh, Kyle Chandler is amazing as as Coach Taylor. Uh, yeah. Connie Britton is amazing as his wife. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, so, so, so yeah. good. It's I think I think the streaming platform it's most available on is Hulu right now. I think you can get it on Amazon Prime, but I think it's a rental. Oh. But if you have Hulu, I think it's free. But there, probably, there might be other ways to find it. Wink, oh. wink. Uh, but anyway, it is it is terrific. There's only one plot point that 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 doesn't strike true. There's a kind of ridiculous thing that happens. I think it was in the second season. But other than that, it is all the way just remarkable. And tell me they didn't nail boosterism. Oh, after oh, Ronald Small. Yeah. I mean, that was that was the part. I remember watching those things going, my God, that's real. Yeah. Oh, and you the, know, guy, the guy who plays great series. The guy who plays Buddy is uh, the only one from the movie who was in the series. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Hey, oh, before you have your turn, Bob, I, I, uh, this is not a recommendation because I hadn't seen it, but I would, uh, has anybody checked out? I, I don't know if it's on, uh, Netflix or Amazon Prime, but, uh, the documentary about Link Ray. Uh, mm. No, a, I saw, the, I saw the other day that it was out, but I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. I, I, I hadn't watched it either. And I don't remember which platform I saw it on, but, uh, and they, uh, they they worked the angle that he you know he was Native American he was from North Carolina I think uh, and and uh, he was he was like first Native American rock star and uh, but I hadn't seen it I just it's I think it's called Rumble isn't it could be yeah I think that's I a, yeah be. I just I wondered if any of y'all had seen it anyway yeah. sorry go ahead Buff well, I was gonna tag uh, what Jim said just uh, when he mentioned Friday Night Lights being a great series it is. And uh, said that the movie was okay too, which I thought the movie was great because I'm kind of partial to the guy that played the coach. But we, the first time I ever met Billy Bob Thornton, he was filming that movie, Friday Night Lights, in Austin, Texas. Right. And uh, I was out there for South by Southwest, and uh, I got to briefly meet him, and I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. Met him and Re- Rebecca Romaine and John Stamos <laughs> at a club, which was weird. So at that place I talked about called Copper or something, Copper Tops, Copper, copper, tank, copper tank, yeah, copper, yeah, Copper Tank, and they were all there for that thing that night, and then uh, we went out and saw where they had been filming the football scenes for the movie Friday Night Lights. So anyway, that's neither here nor there. It's, other it's, than I thought it was a good movie, and uh, it is a good movie. That country singer, uh, what's his name, was in it? The country guy, Tom McGraw. Yeah, he did a good job on that. Uh, being did, a mean but it was guy. funny. You mentioned Billy Bob Thornton. I always thought he would have been perfect in that role that they gave to that they gave to uh, Tim McGraw. Although Tim McGraw did a wonderful job, yeah, not, not being a trained actor, you know. Yeah, he did. Uh, my recommendation, uh, as you probably remember from yesterday, is uh, I was kind of blown away by this documentary I found on uh, Amazon uh, called Susie Q uh, about Susie Quattro. It's a documentary from Australia. And uh, I had been a, you know, a fan of her since she first came out in the early 70s. And uh, and one of the, I just didn't realize just how much the other ladies of rock and roll looked up to her as one of the founding mothers of, of the whole genre. I mean, they were all on there, Joan Jett, Chrissy Hine, Debbie Harry, everybody 
was and talking she was about one of the first women that played that played her own instrument. I mean, yeah, she, she was, was a, and, and the bass was bigger than she was. She was a working musician in her yeah. band. She wasn't she wasn't a singer with a backing band. I no, mean, she was, she like was rocking out, guy. rocking out, and rocking, yeah. and, and uh, just tearing it up. And uh, like I was telling some of you before, I I got the chance to see her in '75 uh, when she opened for Alice Cooper and Welcome to My Nightmare. And I got to say, I mean, as, as much as a fan of Alice as I was, I was just completely blown away by her show. I mean, she just came out and took no prisoners. And it was after that that she got into the Happy Days thing. And a lot of that, you know, she kind of got into that, sucked into that whole um, pop thing with the stumbling in and all that kind of stuff like that. And, uh... That, was, that thing I'm doing, that's what Leather Tuscadero. Oh, the leather. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the the show, yeah. Any, See, you know, if, for all the listeners, he's making hand gestures. And yeah. uh, at least they're not the and bad the, ones. And not the, and not the kind like you make behind your lead guitar player's back when he's solo. Exactly. <laughs> but if you like rock and roll, if you like, if you want to see what these girls, these ladies look like now, like Sherry Curie and Joan Jett and everybody like that. It's kind of interesting to see them sitting and talking now, and uh, uh, and, ta- and talking about how much that uh, Susie meant to them and uh, everything like that. But anyway, it's very good, very good, very 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 good. That's it. Uh, we're going to play a song before we come back with the main part of the program. What song? We discuss what song? Are you- uh, oh, what in the world's going on? No, there's things flashing across my screen. Uh, okay can you hear me okay there's things flashing on my screen no it's all because of the uh running the time limit on the uh no it's not a time limit it's on your your account so it's not a time limit i don't know what man these think okay i got it back let me make sure i got my volume right it, it made my volume jump up. Anyway, uh, okay, we're going to play uh, uh, some Angus. Angus Young's rocking out pretty good for age 65, i got to tell you. This is uh, from the album Power Up, Shot in the Dark, ACDC. We'll be right back in a minute right after this. <laughs> Like a man who I got to learn the truth 
up, y'all? We're back. That was ACDC. You can't miss them, right? Uh, great, 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 great band still, even after all these years. So what we're going to talk about today is um, guitars. Uh, not just any old guitars, but uh, uh, let me what? see. There's, there's, there's something popping up on my screen. One second. Bear, bear with me. Uh, okay. Anyway, nevertheless. Okay. I don't know. I cleared it off. <laughs> Sorry about that. Anyway, yeah, guitars. The uh, how, how did you guys categorize it? I, I would just say, uh, you know, special, famous, special guitars. Famous guitars. Famous guitars, yeah, famous guitars, but not necessarily signature guitars, but famous guitars. Yeah, and uh, no, not and you just were talking about ACDC, so Ang, uh, Angus Young's that SG plays, man. I mean, yeah, well, there, there, yeah, guitar. you're you're reading ahead. Uh, the uh, the, the <laughs> don't do that. You all were doing that yesterday. And I was going, okay, you just ruined the whole show. The uh, the, just this uh, once. Billy's trying to be the teacher's pet. I <laughs> know uh, he really is. I'm I'm gonna say that yeah. I'm gonna this this time I'm gonna go first because by God I'm gonna get mine out this time before everybody picks them all. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I doubt anybody picked my number five. My number five is a Gibson L1 flat top small body acoustic guitar played by Robert Johnson. Excellent. Nice. Yeah, it was, um, manufactured oh, yeah, between that, that 1926 and 1937. He used some other Gibsons, but the one on most of his recordings is his L1. And uh, boy, did he ever get some sounds out of that thing. I'm a Robert Johnson fan. Number four, speak of the devil, Angus Young, Gibson SG. His original one, the basis for his first. Boy, I, boy, I screwed your list all yeah, You do that all the time, so thank you. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Hey, have another beer. Uh, the uh, His SG and the model for his current signature model is his original 1968 68 SG standard. Uh, he also uses a modified version of the SG called the JD SG which was made custom for him by JD Guitars. How about that? But they all look like SGs, even if they're not SGs. But uh, mostly it's the, uh, that 68 that he plays, and it's that's, that's as familiar to me as his schoolboy uniform, you know? It's just a part of him. Number three, number three, number three, Rick Nielsen. Yeah, I'm sorry, but I had to pick the Hammer 5 That's why you guitar. wanted to go first, man. Because so everybody had that. the 5-neck guitar, yes. Uh, I didn't I, have it, but but Jim and Patrick both had it. <laughs> he had three of these Hammer 5-neck guitars, but the orange one is the original one that the company made for him. Uh, and I'll, first time I saw that, I thought, well, it doesn't get more rock and roll than that. So, you know, it's pretty cool. And the guy has a guitar or two, but, you know, only the five-neck one really blew my mind. My number two is uh, two guitars by the same artist that I'm going to say, Ty. One of my favorite guitar players of all time was Johnny Winter. And, of course, he played the uh, the 63 Gibson Firebird V-Model. 
all the time. Played it a lot. But he also played that laser, that Earl Line laser. Uh, that that has, was like the first the first one of those early line built. Like, yeah, and it's, 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 it's like it's, in Austin. Yeah, right. And it was one of, and it was uh, has almost no body and no headstock. And I always thought, you know, I felt kind of uncomfortable watching him play that at first. It was like it was like futuristic or something. It took me a while to get used to it, but Johnny said that he liked it because it sounded like a Fender but played like a Gibson. And you know? it weighs a pound and a half. It weighs a pound and a half, which is about how much he weighed. Yeah. Uh, my number one is a guitar. I bet I can guess. Okay. I'm not going to, though. Go ahead. No, go, no guess. Go ahead and guess. No. Yeah, guess. No. Do it. Is it a 1957 gold top Les Paul? I left that off of my list because I meant to say oh, that uh, I meant to say that I was leaving all my Southern rock guitars off the list. Ah, okay. so well, my then. number one is not even a regular guitar, but a bass. Ah, is it Gene a 1963 five hundred? Oh, Gene Simmons bass. Oh, the court axe bass. The first the one was handmade bass. for him, and now they sell. They sell duplicates of it for like five thousand dollars. What a great pick, Buff! Oh man, well, I, I love that I, guitar. I think Patrick might. might Patrick's bliss just went big. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop it at four. Thanks a lot. Buff. <laughs> All right, uh, that's, that's a great list. That's my little wacky list, and uh, I did put some thought into it for a change. So, you know, which is... not going to catch me thinking, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm still thinking. That ain't, that ain't fixing that. All right, who's next? Let Jim go next. Jim go. Jimbo go. All right, well, you know, I'm a guitar geek, and I could yes. do this for hours and hours and hours and you hours. You were who I was thinking of when I came up with this yeah. question. <laughs> and and last week it was it was Billy's high fidelity question and we got I got out Willie Nelson's trigger Stevie Ray Vaughan's number one uh, Eric Clapton's Blackie and then we also talked about uh, the uh, the B Bender Telly Clarence uh, that Clarence White put together and that uh, Marty, Marty call, Stewart Marty now calls owns. it Clarence yeah Marty calls it Clarence Marty Stewart plays the hell out of it now yes, um, does. <laughs> and I'm so I'm putting all those off the table for my list okay okay so I'm gonna start and and I've got I've, I curated this list a little bit to to kind of hit on the different types of guitars my first one is a Les Paul I could talk about the history about Les Pauls forever but the most lusted after and collectible and expensive Les Paul is the Les Paul standard made between 1958 and 1960, which was the first time they made Les Pauls in a sunburst finish. It was a cherry sunburst at the time. They don't look very cherry anymore because they fade. And so they're kind of, uh, they're kind of goldish, a little bit of uh, like dark red maroonish like hue. Apricotish. And there's, there's a bunch of Rick Nielsen has one that he plays almost every night on. I want you to want me, uh, Jimmy Page had one. Uh, the great Michael Bloomfield had one. Right. Eric Clapton really started it. The Les, the Les Paul Standard was a, the Sunburst Les Paul Standard was a failure in its time. They stopped making it in 1960, and they they went to a different body style that eventually became the SG. And for several years in the 60s, they didn't make the traditional single cutaway maple top Les Paul. 
because it was a failure until some British blues rock guitarists found them hanging in pawn shops for next to nothing and plugged them into little little cranked fenders or the Marshall Bluesbreaker amp, the, the little combo amp, and got this ungodly tone out of it. So that is and and uh, examples these days started about a quarter of a million dollars and go right. up from there if they're right. celebrity owned. There, yeah, it, right. there were uh, 1,712 made and probably twice that many on the market today because people fake them. Uh, but anyway, um, my, pick is, my, my <laughs> pick is the, is the 1959 Les Paul known as Greeny. It is not green. Uh, it's Cherry Sunburst, but it was owned, owned not first owned, but pop, most popularly owned by Peter Green. He bought it for $300 when he was in the Blues Breakers. And then, of course, he helped start. He, he, he was one of the early Fleetwood Mac guys. Right. Uh, oh, well, uh, Black Magic Woman, a great cover of Albert King's The Stumble. And it sounded different because its front pickup was put in backwards. So it had a little bit different tone. Uh, bought it for $300. And, and Peter Green had some uh, mental issues later in life wow, and, uh, mental issues. and he, be right. he, he met an, uh, a blues rock guitarist from northern ireland named gary moore who loved his playing and loved his guitar and peter green said well i bought this for 300 i'll sell it to you for 300 and so gary moore owned it and of course gary moore was in thin lizzie for a while and had yeah. a had had an excellent career as a solo artist so it was double celebrity owned and then when Gary Moore died a few years back, it was purchased by uh, Kirk Hammett of Metallica, who will only <laughs> say that he paid less than $2 million for it. <laughs> so, so that to me is like the classic example of a double celebrity owned uh, Triple Sunburst, actually, Sunburst 59 Les Paul. So that's my Les Paul <laughs> choice. Got to do a Stratocaster choice as well. And since I did number one in Blackie last week, and since I talked about Gary Moore, an Irish blues guy, I'm going to go with another Irish blues guy, and that's Rory Gallagher. Uh, not as well known as some, but the guy was a ferocious guitar player and also a ferocious alcoholic, surprisingly right. yeah, enough. Man. An Irish guitar player who's an yep. alcoholic, uh, hey, which eventually, which eventually killed, which 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 offense eventually killed him. But he had a 1961 Stratocaster that is just. I mean, it is so beat to hell, you could hardly recognize what it is. He bought it in 1963. It allegedly is one of the first, or maybe the first Stratocaster in Ireland. He bought it from a guy who, who bought the first Stratocaster in Ireland, but was upset because it wasn't Fiesta Red like Hank Marvin's, who was the big guitar hero of the day from the shadows in the UK. Uh, so he sold it to Rory Gallagher, and Gallagher played the hell out of it for the next few decades. Check out Rory Gallagher if you're a blues rock fan and you don't know him. Uh, and Fender has made a a dent for dent, scratch for scratch, paint chip for paint chip replica of this in the custom shop that goes for something like six or seven grand. But the original Rory Gallagher Strat is just a, a remarkable instrument and is a, is is my representation of the Stratocaster. Then I have to go to the Fender Telecaster, which is most known for country music, but I'm going to stay away from country because I'm doing rock and roll on these. And three words for my Telecaster pick, ignore alien orders. That is the sticker that Joe Strummer had affixed to his 1966 uh, sun, Once Upon a Time Sunburst 
Fender Telecaster that he spray painted flat black and, uh, and over the years wore off again till much of the bare wood was showing. But, but Joe, that, that guitar is just iconic for a rock and roll Telecaster. Joe Strummer's 1966 Telecaster, Strummer from The Clash, of course, which also was uh, duplicated and reissued by Fender, although in a budget-friendly version that was made either in Mexico or Japan, I can't remember which, uh, but you could get a Joe Strummer signature or replica Telecaster. So uh, my next one, this is kind of, I've, I've tried to do artists who were identified with a single guitar, and I'm going to break that rule here, and I'm going to go to an artist that Buff had, which is, which is uh, uh, Rick Nielsen, but I'm not going with the Hammer 5 neck, and I'm not going with his 58 burst, Les Paul, because to me, Rick Nielsen's guitar is the serial number 0000 Hamer standard, um, which he played to death in the early years of Cheap Trick. Um, it is uh, in the shape of a Gibson Explorer, um, but has a flame maple top and cherry sunburst finish like a 58, 59 Les Paul. Um, and it was one of the beginnings of the boutique guitar movement when Joel Danzig started Hamer Guitars in Illinois back in the mid-70s, he wanted to build guitars that were the quality of the 50s guitars, but that were modern made. And, uh, and back then, Hamers were boutique guitars. They've, they've, the brand has been bought by the company that owns Ovation, and they they've make a lot of them in China and that sort of thing now. But those 70s and early 80s Hamers are beautiful guitars, every bit as, as quality as the, as the 50s Gibsons. And uh, Nielsen did a show with a bunch of his guitars and a bunch of his other stuff uh, up in up in Rockford, Illinois, that, that Pat and I went to. And we walked in and they had the, that Hamer guitar in a plexiglass case in the middle of the display. And to me, that is because seeing Cheap Trick in the 70s, that was the guitar. You know, before he had a, a five neck, he used to put, play three guitars at once. Uh, usually on on the song on top of the world from from uh, heaven tonight he would have the hammer standard that he'd ha over that he'd have a Les Paul Jr. that he had painted uh, red and the fretboard in inlay said you know you like it uh, which also was there at that at that show and then on top he'd have a Stratocaster because some of the solos needed a whammy bar and when he finished the solo with the whammy bar he'd take the guitar off and he'd throw it and a roadie would catch it and he'd play the Les Paul Jr. Then he'd throw it, and underneath would be the the Hammer Standard. And I had a picture in my guitar studio of Nielsen on stage in about 1977, wearing the three guitars with with the Hammer on the bottom. And it, that was it the, that was, was the cover of uh, the cover of Guitar Player magazine. Yeah. That Strat was red. Yeah, I yeah. still got and that the, guitar player. And that was that was uh, that was. Uh, and Nielsen has a great guitar collection. He's got a, a like a 52 or 53 Les Paul Gold Top. He's got, of course, the 58 burst that he still takes on the road, which is crazy because it's worth over a million bucks, but whatever. My, my last pick is also not a guitar. It's also a bass, but it is not the Gene Simmons Axe bass. It is a 1963 Hofner 500-1 violin bass played by Paul McCartney. Paul, what a good choice, man. What um, a really good choice. Bought it, you know. They, they, Hofners were more available uh, in in England and in Europe than than Fenders and and, the, and, and they weren't they weren't pawn shop instruments like they are largely considered. No, 
No, no. And, uh, and so, uh, it, I mean, it's, it's known now as the Beatle bass. Anything that's shaped like a violin, people call a Beatle bass because it is so iconic. He, you know, he, he put it away after the rooftop concert, you know, uh, and <clears throat> until the 80s when he was recording uh, Flowers in the Dirt and he was collaborating with Elvis Costello and Elvis Costello said, whatever happened to the Beatle bass? And McCartney said, you know, I should get that out. He got it out. It still had a Beatles set list taped to the side of it. And uh, he started using it. And to this day, he still uses it some uh, in concert. It's, uh, it's, it's as iconic as guitars get. Uh, so I was thinking about uh, including Johnny Thunder's various Les Paul Juniors and specials in TV finish, but there wasn't one single guitar. But I have to mention that uh, because Johnny Thunder's was absolutely identified with those TV yellow uh, Les Paul Juniors and Les Paul Specials, which are, which I am a big fan of as well. Uh, so I had to mention that. But those are my five. Wow. Nice, like it, like it, yeah, like it. List. I didn't, <laughs> man. I didn't do the amount of background on mine that you did. I well, mean, no, but Jim. I can't help guy. it. I'm a geek. I'm a geek. Okay, uh, let Patrick go next, and I'll go last. So I'll All right. All right. Well, well, I want to give a special thanks to Buff for stealing my bass pick because you that won't. was the first one that popped into my head. You know, uh, Gene Simmons' axe bass, which is basically a stage prop you have to tune. That's right. <laughs> right. So that's yeah. that's off the table. Instead of that, let's go with uh, Billy and Dusty's fuzzy guitars. That they had on MTV <laughs> back then. Yeah, yeah. why not? Were those, why the heck not? Were those Deans? I doubt it. I doubt they were Deans. They were probably custom made, and they might have been made by Earl One because he has done some work uh, for them. Might have been, yeah. That's the one that they didn't have the they didn't have the strap right. They had the belt hook so they could right, spin, right, they could right. spin them around. Yeah. And I gotta say, uh, before I get further into my list, I didn't overthink it this time. I just decided to wing it, just like the first things that popped into my head. But right. now that Jim has got me thinking about our uh, our bachelor trip to Rockford, Illinois, where we were driving, we flew into O'Hare and we were driving to Rockford, and. Because man, because who, who doesn't want to go to Rockford? I have been a cheap trick pilgrim to Rockford twice well, in my cause, life. Cause, yeah, man, yeah. Because yeah, I've driven through Rockford several times. I never even stopped. I gotta say, uh, Jim, Jim and I were driving from O'Hare to Rockford, and uh, I said, Jim, should we feel bad about not bringing our wives? And he's like, Yeah, I don't know, maybe. And then we got to the museum. You know, we didn't even check into the hotel. We drove straight to the museum. We spent, of course, like, we, we spent we spent like eight hours there, just totally geeking yeah, out. Because you're and, not a geek. Because you're not a geek. And we were leaving, and I was like, they would have just been going. Can we please go get lunch now? Can we just go get lunch now? But I gotta say, one guitar I did not know that Rigmilson had that I uh, did not see, and it has a real poignant story behind it. Was the B Bender that. <laughs> He took to Manhattan to record with John Lennon on the Double Fantasy sessions, mm -hmm. and then ah. he left it there uh, because uh, Lennon didn't know what this was and what it did. And he said, "You can just keep it and send it back to me whenever." And then he got killed, and uh, Yoko didn't get around to sending it back to him for like ten years. And that was in the exhibit. So yep. that's 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 another one. Um, that was a, that was a great story that. That uh, that his man Jack Douglas I think set that up because right, he produced yeah. produced uh, John Lennon and he produced Cheap Trick and 
So it was Bunny Carlos and, and, and Rick Nielsen. And they're in the studio waiting for Lennon. Lennon walks in and he looks at Rick Nielsen and he says, Hey, I know you, which was, which, which, which Nielsen took as, as extreme validation. So if you don't, there's, there's an outtake of I'm, I'm losing you from those sessions with, with Nielsen and Carlos. And it just, it's great. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, wait, revisit real quick. What kind of guitar was it again? It was a Telly. Telly. It, with a, with a, and, it, and it had a, it had the uh, B bender. B bender. The, the Parsons White. It had like yeah. a original Parsons White B bender on it. Right, right, right. Wow. Uh, let's see. Of course, I got to mention Ace Fraley and his amazing stunt guitars, best known for the sunburst that the smoke would shoot out of or rockets <laughs> would shoot out of. <laughs> Again, stage prop that right. you tune. Exactly, exactly. But, you know, my favorite one, my my my, uh, my very first electric guitar was a Les Paul copy made by Univox in a sunburst because I wanted to be Ace Fraley so bad. The thing about that guitar is, or all of his, all of his Les Pauls, actually, they had three pickups, but the only one that was live was the bridge pickup. And in the smoke shooting guitar, you know, the middle the one was just, you could, you could just pop it out. So, the okay. smoke shooting guitar. <laughs> well, it sounds like hell, but it shoots smoke out of it, man. This is this is one that's really iconic, such a symbol of the band and the times, and that would be Jimmy Page's uh, double neck SG that he plays on the song "Remains the Same." That's a that's a really good and interesting yeah. song. Uh, so much has been said about that guitar, and I hope he still has it because you know he could put his great 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 grandchildren through school. Uh, if he ever sells it, my number right. one, my number one is also iconic and emblematic, and and this was this was my second choice that popped into my head, and that is Bruce Springsteen's fifty one, uh, uh, yeah, Esquire, Esquire, yes, jeez, thanks, Jim, thanks for the sure. lifeline there, um, just you know, an off the rack guitar that is most associated with Bruce Springsteen, and that he still has and still plays with great regularity and quite well. I might say that's five. He I'm played, out. Uh, he and a lot of people Thunder Road, didn't he? Yeah, I think yeah, so. that's what he played. Yeah, he played that on Thunder Road. And a lot of people are fooled thinking that thinking it's a Telecaster because it has a front pickup. But exactly. It has a front pickup added, added. So it isn't indeed an Esquire. Man, there's there's so many, you know, uh, not just famous guitars but but like famous signature guitars and uh i'm I'm gonna try to do something a little bit different with my list and i i was you know when i first thought of this i was thinking like you know bb king's lucille what's that up three gibson 335 and uh what's the uh what was the guy that was a band leader uh uh for saturday night live the short guy badass guitar player uh g, g-, g-, g- smith g- smith and I don't remember who the telly belonged to. It was a telly, and whoever it was took a jigsaw and cut a top, put a top cutaway in. Mike Bloomfield. Yeah, and yeah. and I mean, and guitars like that, you know, that are that are themselves iconic guitars. And so I was, I'm trying to hit kind of a mix and match, and I'm a honorable mentions. I mean, could be anything of Tom Petty's. He he repopularized Rickenbackers. Uh, you know, in the, in the seventies. Uh, and uh, you know, before that there's the Beatles and, and but when the Beatles were using those things, I mean, they bought Rickenbackers cause they were affordable 
and uh you know and they're really not anymore <laughs> but uh but anyway so some iconic guitars and i wanted to put an acoustic uh guitar on, on my list and i didn't want to do trigger because it's you know willie nelson's guitarist uh, buck owens red white and blue uh acoustic guitar that was made by uh, a company called moss right and they uh he had been painting his guitars uh and and they made him that custom tricolored red white and blue one uh for the uh for the debut uh episode of Hee Haw. And uh and he and he played that I think the rest of his career mostly. And another iconic guitar, same band, Don Roots's uh uh yeah. champagne yeah. that champagne metal flake. Uh I don't know the year. It was that was uh it was what like a fifty eight tally. Uh would it even have been a tally then? They were I think meeting. it was a telly. Yeah, I think they, it, was. it was a. What was what was a precursor to te telly? Was a broadcaster, right? Broadcaster, right? Yeah, broadcaster then Esquire then Telecaster. Yeah, but uh, yeah, this was yeah that that uh the color is the the color it's champagne metal flake and uh so th those are my number five and number four from the same band. Number three, uh, I think the year model on this is fifty. 58 or 59 i'm not sure the Les paul that uh billy gibbons plays miss pearly gates early yeah and man <clears throat> you know uh, uh pat had zz tops guitars on his list the fuzzy ones by the time you know i, I can't say i didn't like some of that pulsating da -da 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 stuff they did but man my favorite period uh, of uh of that of that band was when they were just a country blues band you know in the, in the early to mid 70s and and billy and and, and uh the, he was mostly playing that last palm Miss farley gates and uh so that, that's my what was that five number three yeah, as a matter of fact on pearly and and i <laughs> thought about pearly's and he loved pearly so much that there's a song on rio grande mud called apologies to pearly he's because playing he's playing a stratocaster he plays a yeah. Strat on that one. yeah 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 I, yeah i had that album and know that song yeah and he's got that blonde telly that has the uh the neck pickup dug out because you just don't need it right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't need that pickup. And, you know, and then there's a, but we talked earlier about Clarence and, and, uh, you know, and that one would have been an obvious one for me, which is why I kind of left it off the list. And, uh, Link Ray, cause I mentioned him earlier playing the, uh, uh, the Dan Electro and it, the, the long, it's, it's the Longhorn, right? With those two cutaways mm -hmm. and the long, and I don't know the year model and, uh, I had read something years ago, uh, and it was, uh, I think it was Link Ray. It was like in Guitar Player Magazine, and it was a, talking to three of the early pioneers. It was like Link Ray and Webb Wilder and, I don't know, somebody else. And they're asking Link Ray, you know, man, why, you know, why didn't you play a, why didn't, why didn't you get like a, you know, a Strat or, or and he said, man, Back in those days, I could afford good clothes, or I could afford a guitar. A good guitar, <laughs> clothes, because that's what you know, I needed. The good clothes more than I needed the good guitar, because I was used to the guitar I had. And, uh, so uh, that's my number. That's my number two. And 
I don't know, man. You get into this and like the number one, the, this, again, I took all the same ones off the table you did, Jim Blackie, and I couldn't really decide for number one. So what I decided to do for my number one pick is to just explain to y'all how much I like having a beer buzz in the middle of the day. And, <laughs> and, and the thing about a good middle of the day beer buzz, man, it goes with just about any genre of music, no matter what kind of guitar amp and rig you're playing it through. <laughs> and so, yeah, so that's my list. <laughs> okay. Wow. Right. wow. That, uh... so, so it was what? So it was, Bug Owens Acoustic, uh, it was Don Rich's uh, Champagne Metal Flake, uh, it was Miss Pearly Gates, it was Link Ray, and it was uh, Middle of the Day Beer Buzz. That's my list. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Nice. Nice. I'm a Renaissance man. <laughs> hey, and one thing I forgot to mention, and to, to tie it back to, to, to mention one Southern rock thing, Strangely enough, my, you know, my, my, uh, Rick Nielsen pick was that Hamer standard, which is Explorer shape. You know, who else was identified with that guitar? The only other major artist who was identified with that guitar was Dave Hubeck of, uh, Molly Hatchet. Oh, yeah. He, he played those as well. So that is, that kind is of, the kind of Southern strange. rock man that I know the absolute least about. Well, Dave, I mean, Dave was a friend of mine and that, that, the one he had like that, that was, uh, Painted with the Confederate flag is hanging in the. Um, oh, you might, you might put your mic down by your mouth. <laughs> that might help, right? Yeah. There you, there go. you go. Sorry about that. Hey, you know, senility is not a nice thing. Um. Anyway, you mentioned Lubeck, who was a good buddy, of mine, <clears throat> and um, he um, he had one. One of those guitars like that that you were talking about. You call, what, what, what kind of body did you call that? A Gibson what? It was an explorer style. Yeah, yeah. And they had one like that that was painted uh, with the Confederate flag back in the days when, you know, before, you know, we knew that that wasn't a good thing. And uh, it's hanging in the uh, Hard Rock Hard Rock uh, Hotel down in uh, Florida. But yeah, I remember him playing those things all, all the time. And there, there were a bunch of them. Uh, I could have done a whole list of Southern rock guitars, you know, because Toy had a. Uh, I was gonna ask you. He, Toy had he a Gibson three thirty five that was a uh, cream colored that. Uh, but he was, mostly played Les Pauls, right? I mean, that was. He had Les Pauls, but that but that three thirty five that he played on the Carolina Dreams album was a gift from BB uh, King, and uh, it had BB uh, King's uh, name in Mother of Pearl in the fretboard. You know, mm, mm-hmm. and man, it's a beautiful thing. And he only brought it out every once in a while. But it was, uh, I actually have a picture somewhere of me and, and Toy's dad. And Toy's dad's letting me hold the guitar, you know, like I'm, <laughs> you know, like scared to death. It's you know, like I look like a deer caught in the headlights. <laughs> you know, I'm like, right. it's like when I, they handed me the Dwayne's uh, thing down at, at the big house, Dwayne's uh, Les Paul. It's the same feeling. I was like, I'm scared to even hold this. Uh, some of the other guys would grab it and just start hitting licks on it. And I'm like, how can you do that? <laughs> I, can't, <laughs> I can't do that. But yeah, anyway, don't, well, that wraps don't, up, even that, look, don't even look at it. It's never been played. Don't, 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 even, don't, don't point, don't point <laughs> at it. You can't look at it. You can't look at it. Not hard. 
you're talking about that at the big house. My, uh, I have a theory. You know, they got uh, they got one of those original B3s that Greg played. Yeah. Like, yeah, we brought, you know, this this was, you know, this uh, he was playing this particular B3 when they actually lived in his house. I'm like, yeah, that's why it's still there. The goddamn thing's too heavy. To move. Yes. <laughs> well, yes. That, yes. Uh, I'll say this. Yeah, they, uh, they didn't donate that. They abandoned it. <laughs> I want to say this just, just quickly. Uh, you know, as you guys know, I just finished. A, I got a book coming out in the spring that's the um, biography of Paul Hornsby, the producer from Capricorn. But his original thing was being the B3 player with Hourglass with Greg and Dwayne Allman and Pete Carr and all those guys. And he tells in that book about the B3 how they used to play at these clubs where you'd have the the club would be upstairs and they'd have to carry the B3 upstairs. Up a flight of damn stairs. I was going to say that. Yeah, there was a club that we used to play in, in Des Moines, Iowa that you loaded in with an exterior staircase. It was outside, and oh. uh, I had a friend who had who who was in a band with a, a guy that had a B three and a Leslie, and they used to carry that mother up the outside stairs to the to the Sojour Mother was the name. Sojour Mothers was the name did of the place. Play, Billy probably played there too. Did you ever play uh, Charlie's Attic with me? It's over Burger Tex. Oh, uh, I know where airport. Charlie's Attic is. No, I never. I never did. You had to load in. Not only was that an outside. <laughs> staircase it was a spiral staircase oh, you had to you had to load in up an outside metal spiral staircase grab your b3 and come on up <laughs> yeah screw that we didn't man it's like yeah for this gig everybody's playing kazoo <laughs> yeah that, yeah the old kazoo band if, it, if it doesn't fit in your pocket you're not playing no it, hell no man that's true all right, guys, let's just go ahead and call it. That's a, that's a good one. We uh, Next week, we're going to talk about, yeah, under-the-radar movies, great movies that nobody's ever heard of, but us, maybe. You know, because there's a bunch of them, a lot of good ones. Most of the ones on my list I hadn't even heard of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I might hey. cheat on grade a little bit. Right, yeah. Well, that's <laughs> yeah. I the beholder, man. Exactly. It exactly. is, yeah. And and you know, and mine mine are going to be in the category mostly of actors' movies. As somebody who studied theater, you know, um, uh, those of us who studied, uh, you know, to be thespians, uh, we we love watching really good acting. Whereas a lot of people, you know, get bored with that. They want to see a lot of action, right? Right. But I like hey, remember, the actors' movies. Before we the go, best. Before, before we go, I have a question for the group. Best country guitar solo. Ooh. Patrick. Thirty-second time limit, man. Come on, it's all subjective. Everything Junior Brown ever played. That's uh, <laughs> uh tell you what, man. Uh, narrow it down and just pick. My wife thinks you're dead. That's a great solo in that. Buff. <laughs> Best, oh my gosh! Best, uh, best best country, and it can be a country solo in a rock tune because I know you're into Marshall Tucker and 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 man, a lot of his solos were country solos. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I mean, I'd hate to say can't you see, but I will say that because that's a man. That's a that's a damn choice. good solo. I mean, we've all heard that song ten thousand times and more played it ten thousand times more yeah. than y'all had to play it. But that's a damn good solo. Jimmy, you got you got you got to you got to get us to the summit. 
Uh, okay, got it. Clarence White, Tulsa County, the bird. That was that, and that was my choice. <laughs> that was gonna be mine, man. But well. yeah, no, that yeah, that that is maybe one of the best country solos ever. Yeah, it is. And uh, and I'm and and let's go out on that. It's been a good show, man. It's great hanging out with y'all again. We'll see y'all. Uh, we're getting together next week talking about. The greatest movies nobody's ever heard of. Yeah, that's right. Okay, we'll see you and cats I, and I, in the sandbox. We're going to go out with uh, something from the new Larkin Poe acoustic album, Kindred Spirits. And this is their cover of Bell Bottom Blues. How about that? And we'll see y'all next time.
Well, that was the wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Larkin Poe, yeah, out of Atlanta. Those uh, sisters are just amazing, amazing. Uh, that's from their latest album, Kindred Spirits, an acoustic album, which is their second album of the year. Uh, their first album, Self-Made Man, ended up in the uh, Kudzu magazine, uh, actually the number one album of the year in the kudzu countdown of top 20 of the year so that's saying something they're so good but that was a their cover of course bell bottom blues that we all know from uh most mostly from Derek and the dominoes eric clapton and everything like that but those girls they are just wonderful 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 talents uh and uh we love playing them here on the kudzu radio hour um and want to thank you again for listening in today uh, we appreciate you very much. We know there's just so many choices of things to watch or listen to these days. I mean, it's just everything in the world. So if you're spending a little time with us, we thank you sincerely. Sincerely. Kudzu Radio Hour is brought to you by uh, Springer Mountain Farms. Yeah, Springer Mountain Farms Chicken. Responsibly raised on family farms, not corporate, but family farms, with no antibiotics, no hormones, no steroids, no animal byproducts ever. Get more information on Springer Mountain Chicken at SpringerMountain.com, SpringerMTN.com. Not only is Springer Mountain Chicken healthier for you, but it also tastes very, very good. I love my Springer Mountain Chicken. I sure do program also brought to you by the box masters yes you know that band they got a guy in there on the drums that you may recognize he's a he's got a, another job as a as an actor named billy bob thornton but we call him bud bud thornton is a great drummer songwriter singer and uh he and jd andrew co-write all the songs for the box masters they're very prolific I call them the new the new Lennon and McCarty, and uh, the new album is called Light Race, and it's out now, and you can get it on vinyl, CD, or downloads. It's just a fantastic album. You really, 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 really need this album. Did I say really? Really, really need this album. You can get it at theboxmasters.com. Theboxmasters.com. I've also got JD's listed some cool swag on there. Everything from shot glasses to t-shirts to everything you can. Some things from past tours that there's only a few left of. Collectible things. Get them while you can still get them. Make great Christmas gifts, man. What a great time to, to get you stuff your stocking with Boxmaster's swag. <laughs> yeah, and while you're stuffing those stockings... Put a bottle of Fog Hat wine in there. That's right, baby. Fog Hat Cellars, another wonderful sponsor. You've heard me talk about their wine for years now, and it's still my favorite. I always use the incredibly bad pun, I'm a fool for the Pinot. Get it? I'm a fool for the Pinot. Dun, dun, dun. But the Pinot is my favorite, but I love the Chardonnay as well. All of their wine is very, very, very good handcrafted wine. 
So the same band that you've trusted for years to bring the blues and boogie all these years from slow riding fool for the city on down the line. Yeah, well, now they're bringing you wine that you can very much enjoy. It's so good. Order your Fog Hat wine and have it delivered right to your doorstep. Foghatsellers.com. Foghatsellers, like wine cellars.com. Or you can find a link off of the band page at foghat.com. So, we thank them again for being sponsors of the Cudget Radio Hour. And we hope you guys will uh, tune in next week. We're going to be talking about uh, movies. Yeah. More details on that to follow. But we're going to talk about movies instead of music. Well, sort of, kind of, kind of, kind of, you know. Sometimes they cross over, but whatever. Thanks again for listening, folks. We're going to say goodbye now. (laughs) And uh, uh, you're probably sitting there going, is he ever going to stop? Is he ever going to stop? No, I'm not. Because even after I turn off the recording, I'm going to still be talking. Hallelujah. Thanks again, folks. We love you. See you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.